Our topic today on the Psychology Hour is understanding when video gaming becomes a problem. And joining me is Dr. Anthony Bean, a licensed clinical psychologist and executive director at the Telos Project in Fort Worth, Texas, who's previously been featured on CNN and other news outlets. And I'll add also that Dr. Bean is author of the book, Working with Video Gamers and Games in Therapy, A Clinician's Guide. Dr. Bean, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me on. Right at the outset of our conversation, I want to hear your perspectives on a phrase that gets thrown around a lot, and that's video game addiction. What's meant by that? Pretty much that someone is immersed so heavily in within video games that they can't pull themselves out, that they're spending a lot of time within the video game realm, that they're avoiding doing schoolwork, they're avoiding family functions, they're avoiding a lot of other areas of their life. Um, the idea behind video game addiction is that it, it causes a, a distress within the individual, um, but also in it, within their different environments and their abilities to, to really hone in on what matters uh, to a family structure, whether it's affecting um, the parents going to work, what's affecting the, the child going to school, it's affecting getting school work done, uh, social as aspects of the individual's life. There's a lot of different uh, aspects that go into this and uh, the world health organization has, has provided a gaming disorder which is under a, a lot of stress from a lot of researchers and clinicians right now we could say um, because of the the difficulty of the diagnosis and of how broad it actually is as well anthony take us a little further down the road here what are some indicators that a person's video gaming is becoming problematic the, the biggest things that we tend to see is when it becomes problematic is that other areas of the individual's life, the child adolescence life doesn't get done is the easiest way. So schoolwork tends to, to not get turned in. We see grades drop. We see that they're avoiding, avoiding going out with uh, their friends when they used to be. They're not doing sports. They are having trouble interacting with other individuals, um, whether it's in person or uh, isolative behaviors. Those are the types of things that we, we tend to see when we are having a little bit more trouble with uh, video game play and being able to have healthy boundaries within it. Um, however, there's also the aspect that we wanna make sure that we take into consideration that if someone is gaming all, all of a sudden and it's, that it's really taken off in their life, we wanna ask the question of why is that actually happening? What is going on? Is the child depressed? Is there bullying going on? Is there some anxiety? Have they fallen behind in school and they don't have the self-esteem to, to ask for help? So we, we as parents wanna definitely make sure that we are taking all of those other aspects into consideration and very much working with them as a family structure, but also making sure that we promote healthy boundaries as well. Talk a little more then about steps that a person can take to create some healthy boundaries with video gaming. The biggest thing that when we have parents come on into us and work with us on video games and their children, adolescents, is we always ask about what are the boundaries right now? And one of the biggest things we actually find is that parents don't know how to parent around video games. And that's completely normal, to be honest. It's not the parent's fault. It's because it's a new uh, concept. It's a new aspect of life. And so we don't really have a lot of experience with it, which is where when we talk about them in the therapeutic realm and within the, the therapy uh, room, we talk about what does it mean to have a healthy boundary? What is the appropriate time? 
we talk about maturity level, is the person able to, to manage them themselves on their own or do they need timers? Are they able to take care of their work and then play or are they trying to play beforehand? Do we need to incorporate a pre-MAC principle or do we need to uh, create a schedule? These are all different types of, of aspects that we have to incorporate when we're, we're talking with the, the families. And some families, um, are their kids have a higher maturity level. We've, we've worked with nine-year-olds who are more mature than 16-year-olds. And they get more gaming time because they can help to schedule themselves with the parents' help, and they can go on and do really, really well and good things with their lives and schoolwork versus the 16-year-old who's like, I'm just having trouble. I feel like this has been my life, and I can't get out of this right now because it's I'm already too far gone. As I've been doing this for a couple of years, and I'm already failing a lot of classes, I don't know where to go, not asking for that help. So it's the idea of making sure that we have those appropriate boundaries for for our, our children to, to be able to do it. And frankly, it's a lot easier to put on boundaries in the beginning than it is to put them on on the end. And the reason is just because no one likes to be constrained when they've been doing something for a longer period of time. That phrase you use there, pre-MAC principle, that's a behavioral intervention. Could you expand on what that is? Yeah, absolutely. So the pre-MAC principle is when you take a high frequency behavior and you pair it with a low frequency behavior. So when I'm talking about high frequency, we would talk about video games, things that they like to do a lot. And those are uh, the behaviors that you find them doing more often than not. The low frequency behavior would be the schoolwork would be uh, doing tasks around the house, would, uh, chores, uh, making sure that you're down for family dinners. So in order to get the high frequency behavior of the video games, they have to participate in the low frequency behaviors in order to achieve and obtain that type of stuff. So when we pair those together, we say, you've got to make sure you get your homework done. You've got to come down and have dinner with the family and you've got to go to your karate practice if that's what it is. And then after that, as long as your homework's done, you get to have video games. And that's when we start pairing those types of things. That's a boundary that we put on it. And it's a lot easier to do it in the beginning than it is on the end. Building healthy boundaries here are really vital, especially like you say, if key other parts of your life, relationships, school commitments are starting to deteriorate or, or be harmed by some of those behaviors. Anthony, it sounds like we set out some rules for video game usage. Talk about what happens when those rules aren't respected. There's a lot of stuff that we can we can do as parents, and the biggest thing we see as parents uh, do is they they take everything away. And while that can be very beneficial on a lot of different uh, levels, there's also a drawback to it, such as parents will see that their their child will either tantrum or get out of uh, their phase <laughs> on a lot of levels and kind of avoid them completely until they're giving it back. The the biggest thing is when we we take the games away and be able to. To, to reinforce those boundaries of the, you need to follow this rule is there has to be an end point. There has to be a point where they feel like they can get them back because it's not necessarily um, good to just take something away for indefinitely because then what do they have to work towards? Nothing. If they can find a way to get it back, then that's the aspect that they want to do. Then, then they will definitely strive towards it. The other thing that we also like to do as we give parents a, a checklist, such as a congratulations, you've been grounded. And in order to get ungrounded, you have to obtain this many points. It's the same idea of, of a leveling system within a video game as well. And 
parents can assign the points as whatever they want. They need to assign them high enough. So it takes a little bit of time to get to them, but not so high that it's not unattainable for a period of time. And then the, the child adolescent would then just have to do some chores around the house and the parents assign a point value for the chore to then get the, the child ungrounded. So say for instance, one's loading the dishwasher, that could be 25 points. One could be mowing the lawn, 50 points. Complete a load of laundry, washing and drying, 100 points. Based on, on those types of tasks and those types of chores, we are then able to reinforce the boundaries and make them feel like they're accomplishing something as well. And the parents also get their chores done in the house. So it's kind of a win-win for everyone. To change topics here, I, I want to focus on something that I think can be frustrating um, for folks who are video gamers, and that's when, when non-gamers, so to say, maybe family members or, or, or friends, sometimes cast judgment on the culture of gaming and, and what it means to be a gamer. There might be some messages that feel sort of infantilizing or just, just generally diminishing to, to what video gaming means to, to many folks. And, that can, I think, feel quite belittling as a tough feeling. But Anthony, what, what can be done about that feeling? Um, what you're describing is actually happens very, very often uh, with uh, the children and adolescents is they don't feel like their their parents connect to them. They don't feel like they can. And give you an, uh, an example. I've, I've worked with one kid uh, who is 13, I believe, and doesn't feel like he can connect with his dad because his dad doesn't play video games and his dad chooses to uh, go and do other activities instead of that. And his dad very much belittled him and mom's like, I understand why he's doing this and I can, just can't get dad to see it. And in those aspects, you know, it was really impacting the, the child's uh, self-image and how he saw himself because he couldn't connect with his dad. And as we know, parental engagement for, for children is really, really important to feel connected, to feel like they can do great things in this world. And when you don't have it, we start to see a lot of other issues kind of come up. And so what we did in that aspect is we started incorporating some of dad's um, concerns into the therapeutic idea but we also had him start playing specific video games with the son and have them teach each other how to do certain things within it that they were familiar with. And so that's one of the ways that we kind of got around that, that negativity towards the cultural gaming. But one of the biggest things that, that parents definitely need to know, and no one's going to become an expert overnight um, or very, very easily, but you have to, to kind of engage a little bit and say like, what about this game's really grabbing you? Like, this seems really cool. Can you explain it to me? Like, can I jump in? Can I play this stuff for a little bit? I'm going to suck, but you know, let's, let's definitely do this and have the kid teach them because it makes them feel empowered. It makes them feel like they can be a part of it. And it really lessens that, that uh, barrier that they feel like that the adults can't get in on this. Let's return to the idea of how much gaming is too much gaming. And that of course differs for different people based on their particular circumstances. And I, I kind of hope as I'm asking this question, wouldn't it just be easier if we could say, okay, so for everybody, it's just an hour a day. And that's, that's the limit and that's what's the right amount. <laughs> but I know it's not that simple. So could you walk me through what are some of the considerations that 
would be good to be thinking about, you know, if you want to set a time limit for yourself? Absolutely. So the, this is the biggest question. Every time that someone comes on in, a parent comes on in, they're like, how much time is too much time? And there isn't a good answer for that because it's not necessarily about the time. It's about the other factors of what can they do? Can they manage the time on their own? Do they need some help with it? Um, are they able to stop playing at their own pace or is there something else that's impeding that? So we talk about the, the idea of the maturity level is one of the biggest things that we always start off with and the parents are always very hesitant about this and that's because we still fe it feels like they're still giving too much room. We like to give the, the client, the kid, a chance to prove that they are mature enough to manage this on their own. And so we generally start off with about two hours a day, depending upon whether they can manage the other tasks. So we tell the, the client, look, we're going to give you two hours a day. They can be consecutive. They can be broken up. Most gamers like them consecutive because you can get a lot more done in that way, um, just so everyone's aware. But we also want to make sure that you know that when this time ends, that you have to get off. And if the kid or adolescent can get off of it on that capacity, they show their maturity. They can show that they can handle this on their own and we can relax a little bit of those boundaries and make sure that that goes on for 90 to 120 days is really what we're looking for. And if they can't, then instead of that two hours, we put it down to an hour and a half. If they can't do it, then we then do go down to an hour. And we generally find somewhere between a half hour to an hour, generally for based on maturity level, which is very helpful to, to work with a, a psychologist or a mental health expert in the video game realm to, to really understand what is the right amount to be done. And then you slowly build that up to uh, two hours a little bit, or depending on what they, they may or may not need, four hours. Time is not really necessarily the best indicator. It's the maturity level and can they manage the other environments. For folks out there who are not as familiar with the culture of gaming, which is a phrase that we've used a couple times in our discussion today, I'm gathering there is a whole, there's a broad set of language and words that are connected to all different types of video games. And I know in some of the books you've written, there are literally thousands of words that are connected to video games and video gaming culture. But I want to just hopefully, could you share a little bit about how, how can we and listeners, you know, better familiarize themselves with that language of gaming and that culture of gaming. And maybe one way to do that is to have a basic sense of what some key words might be. Yeah, absolutely. So there, like you said, there's tons and tons of different words that are out there that are very, very helpful to, to understand what's going on within uh, the language of the video gamer realm. So to say, for instance, there, there's one that's called OOM, O-O-M, when that's just called out of mana, and that's usually used for healers or DPS, which is damage per second, the uh, people who, who manage the, the damage of the, the group. There's lots of different ones, such as gear, grouping, guilds, Heals over time, healer, main, bosses, DPS, HTS. I mean, it's there's lots of different aspects of of what is going on within the video game realm that we need to definitely just be aware of. And so parents, for parents, the easiest way to do it is be like, hey, you just use this. I don't know what that is. What is it? And and can you show me what it does? And so 
say if someone's going to use what we call a hot, a heal over time um, spell, we would then go and say, all right, yeah, mom, dad, this is what it does. I'm going to cast it on this person right here, and you're going to see the healing ticks is what they call going off on them. And every time it's a tick, it's how fast is that person being healed and how much is that person being healed. Usually this is shown by a, a green number above the person's head, and you can see their health bar starting to get more and more bigger because they're gaining health again. Anthony, thanks for being here on the Psychology Hour to share your perspective on understanding when video gaming becomes a problem. I'm Daniel Elkert, reminding listeners that this and all episodes of the Psychology Hour from the National Register of Health Service Psychologists don't provide formal mental health services. And if you're interested in such services, please consult a licensed psychologist or another qualified mental health professional, such as those listed on findapsychologist.org.